From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Thank you for joining us for another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak. Today we continue a series of studies on the doctrine of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, please enjoy this devotional thought taken from Morning and Evening by Charles Haven Spurgeon. This morning's text is found in Lamentations, chapter 3, and verse 24. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. It is not, the Lord is partly my portion, nor the Lord is in my portion, but he himself makes up the sum total of my soul's inheritance. Within the circumference of that circle lies all that we possess or desire. The Lord is my portion, not his grace merely, nor his love, nor his covenant, but Jehovah himself. He has chosen us for his portion, and we have chosen him for ours. It is true that the Lord must first choose our inheritance for us, or else we shall never choose it for ourselves. But if we are really called according to the purpose of electing love, we can sing, Loved of my God, for him again with love intense I burn. Chosen of him ere time began, I choose him in return. The Lord is our all-sufficient portion. God fills himself, and if God is all-sufficient in himself, he must be all-sufficient for us. It is not easy to satisfy man's desires. When he dreams that he is satisfied, anon he wakes to the perception that there is somewhat yet beyond, and straightway the horse-leech in his heart cries, Give, give! But all that we can wish for is to be found in our divine portion, So that we ask, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. Well may we delight ourselves in the Lord, who makes us to drink of the river of his pleasures. Our faith stretches her wings and mounts like an eagle into the heaven of divine love as to her proper dwelling place. The lines have fallen to us in pleasant places. Yea, we have a goodly heritage. Let us rejoice in the Lord always. Let us show to the world that we are a happy and a blessed people, and thus induce them to exclaim, We will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Like a sun, my slowly spreading to illumine all the sky, comes the Christ into the shadow. Shines in 
midst of this increasingly secularized and materialistic society, multitudes of men, women, and young people seem to have forgotten that they have immortal souls, and that one day they must stand before a holy God and face the ultimate judgment. Despite every effort to banish the reality of death from the mind, the Word of God declares, It is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. How can a person be ready for that awful day? Is there a way to face God without fear? The great 19th century preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon answered this question in a powerful sermon entitled, Preparing to Meet God. Let the Bible Speak now offers a booklet published by the Trinitarian Bible Society, which contains this vital message under the title, Preparing to Meet God. 
In addition to the sermon text, the publication contains a brief biographical sketch of Spurgeon's life, as well as a schedule for reading the Bible through in a year, all contained in an attractive, conveniently sized booklet. To obtain your copy, simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you prefer regular mail, you may simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your copy of Preparing to Meet God, and we'll be happy to provide it. On today's broadcast, Dr. Cairns continues this series of studies in the doctrine of the Holy Spirit as he brings the next portion of a message dealing with the titles of the Holy Spirit, particular designations of the Spirit given in the Bible, which help us to understand a number of important things about the Spirit, who He is, and what He does. We've seen that these titles reveal the Spirit's deity, that is, He is truly God. Then they show the mystery of what is called the eternal procession of the Spirit. As Dr. Cairns emphasized strongly, the Holy Spirit is in no way inferior to either the Father or the Son. Next, many of the titles ascribed to the Spirit serve to reveal His personal properties. For example, He is the Holy Spirit, the one who produces holiness in believers. Now Dr. Cairns continues this message on the titles of the Holy Spirit. I have pointed out the Holy Spirit is eternal. He is not derived from the Father and the Son as an effect is derived from a prior cause. Remember that the Bible teaches the doctrine of the Trinity. God did not choose to be a Trinity. God essentially and necessarily exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and cannot exist otherwise. So the God of the Bible exists as a trinity. The Holy Spirit is in no way subordinate 
in his essence or dignity to the Father or to the Son. He was not created by them, but the Bible teaches he does proceed from them. Now, here you get into a big theological term. What is procession? Well, I'm not going to be uh, trying to be very clever with this today. Normally, I think very simply, you could say that the procession of the Spirit is the act of the Father and the Son from all eternity, whereby they communicate to the Spirit all the fullness of divine essence and eternal deity. And this act of God is not a, what's called an act of will. It's not the result of the will of God. It is an, a necessary act. It is that which, in human terms, describes what God is from eternity. Now, that's a very deep doctrine. From the Father and the Son, eternally the Spirit proceeds. Some people have tried to give examples of this. And they talk about the eternal generation of the Son and the eternal procession of the Spirit. The best example they have come up with, and uh, I don't think any example is foolproof. How can you give an example of God? It's impossible. But the best example or illustration so far that I have come across is that of the Son and its light. The sun is the source of its rays, but you couldn't say one is before the other. And that's as scriptural an example as you can get. Hebrews chapter 1 says that the Lord Jesus Christ is the brightness of the Father's person. The word means literally the outraying of the Father's person. So that's a fairly scriptural example. There is no priority between the sun the S-U-N, that is, and its rays or its light. Neither is there priority among the persons of the Trinity. The Spirit proceeds from the Father. Now, that eternal procession is the ground for the act of the Father and the Son in point of time when they send forth the Holy Ghost to apply the work of redemption. John 15 and verse 26 uh, tells us of that work in time. The Lord Jesus Christ says, When the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. All that God will do, he will do in and by his Spirit. He is the Spirit of God. And every vital movement of God among men must be the direct result of the movement of God the Holy Ghost. So the procession of the Spirit therefore reminds us that He is God's special gift to the Church of Christ. The third thing I want to note is this that the titles of the Holy Spirit not only reveal his essential equality and his eternal procession, but they reveal his personal properties. Now, just to show you how little we think, he's called the Spirit. You ever ask yourself why? 
Is not God the Father? A spirit? Is not God the Son? A spirit? Does John 4.24 not say God is a spirit? And if God the Father and God the Son are equally spiritual, why then is the third person of the Holy Trinity called the Spirit? Well, again, we get into deep water. The Spirit is a title that refers not to his essence, for that would uh, be a word that would describe Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, if it were referring to his essence. It refers to his person. Truly God is a spirit, but the third person of the Trinity is preeminently known as the spirit. And for two reasons. Number one, he's the spirit essentially in his relation to the Father and the Son. Now I can't explain that relationship. All I can say is this, that as the spirit of a man is absolutely necessary to the personal existence of that man, so the Spirit of God is absolutely necessary to the personal existence of God. That word, the Spirit, speaks of the life principle, the breath. Now these are all human terms that at best can only give a a very, very vague understanding. Because who can find out God? Can't be done. But it is a word that says that as the spirit in man is essential and necessary to his personal existence, so the spirit of God is necessary to the existence of the personal God. But the word spirit refers also to the way God acts among his creatures. He's called the Spirit because he's the outbreathing of the life and of the energy of God, especially in the work of quickening and of blessing. So he's called the Spirit, again, because all that God will ever do to breathe upon man is the work of the Holy Ghost. But then he's called the Holy Spirit. Again, does the Bible not teach that the Father is holy and the Son is holy? Yes. But the title is most often given to the Spirit because he is what we could call the executive of the Trinity. He puts into operation the will and the holy decrees of God among men. And not only that, but he is the author of holiness in all the elect of God. He is called in Romans 4, the Spirit of Holiness. He is the source of all holiness among His creatures. When you think of the people of God, how can they be holy? Well, Galatians 5 tells you how Christians can be holy. It is the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, I would to God that we would get the Holy Spirit back in Christian living. Holiness is not the length of your hair. And I don't like men with long hair, mind you. Holiness is not whether you have a certain cut of coat. 
And Brother Mark told me once he heard one cloud of a preacher talking about separation and apostasy. And the mark of apostasy and backsliding was a man that had wire-rimmed glasses. God help us when the church of Jesus Christ is brought down to such abject folly. When are we ever going to learn that holiness is not just, I don't do this and I don't do that and I don't do the other thing. Now let me be quite honest with you, Christians do not lie, or they ought not to lie. They ought not to cheat, they ought not to commit adultery, they ought not to go into divorce, they ought not to get into abortions, they ought not to get into the world and drink and smoke and gamble and swear. No Christians shouldn't do those things. I believe in separation of life. But if you imagine that you are holy simply because you don't go to the movies and you don't go to the theater and you don't do this and you don't do that, God help you, you're living a life of abject misery and poverty. Holiness is the fruit of the Spirit of God. Holiness is the result of a mighty communion with the Holy Spirit. Holiness is that which is brought forth in us. It is the life of Jesus Christ, the mighty vitality of Christ, the fullness of the production of the death of Christ, and the current life of Christ in our lives by the Holy Ghost. The old holy holiness preachers, and I don't agree with all that they said and taught, mind you, but at the same time I, I appreciate much of the emphasis of the early Keswick men. They used to pray, Lord, by your Spirit, live out your life in me. That's holiness. Lord, by your Spirit, love the souls of men through me. That's holiness. He is the Holy Spirit because He is the true author of holiness in the lives of the people of God. And He's the Holy Spirit, therefore, because He is grieved with sin and wickedness and ungodliness and unchristlikeness in the lives and hearts and minds of the people of God. He is the Holy Spirit. There's another lovely title which shows His personal property. Nehemiah 9 and 20 calls him the Good Spirit. And speaks of him as the Good Spirit instructing the people of God. The Holy Spirit is good in himself. That means he's God. But he is good. And the Holy Spirit does good. Oh, when I plead for a return to crying to God for the ministry of the Holy Ghost in our midst, in effect I am pleading that we would see that such a prayer is saying, Lord, open up the sluice gates of glory and let that mighty torrent of all the good that God has purposed and that Christ has purchased be conveyed to our hearts by the Holy Spirit of God. If we would enjoy any good from God, we must enjoy it by the personal ministry 
of the Holy Spirit. That leads me to the final point. I think I've been making wonderfully fast progress. I had hoped to make it faster because the final point really should be a series of messages in itself. But I'm simply, in many of these things, going to preview what we'll deal in detail with later. The fourth point is the titles of the Holy Spirit reveal not only his essential equality with the Father and the Son, not only his eternal procession from the Father and the Son, not only his personal properties, but the titles of the Holy Spirit reveal his wonderful works in and for God's people. Now, we're going to look through the scriptures to see some great titles of the Holy Ghost. Ephesians 4, verse 30. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of promise. I get that first title. The Holy Spirit of promise. That could be linked up with Acts chapter 1. Verse 4, wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. Acts 2 and 33, therefore being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. The Holy Spirit, in a special way, is God's promise to his blood-bought church. The promise of the Holy Ghost speaks of the fullness of his blessing, the mighty overflowing of his power. It speaks of being baptized with all the Holy Ghost's fire and might. That is God's promise. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. Founded by Dr. Alan Cairns, Let the Bible Speak is also heard in many parts of the world through the international radio outreach of Let the Bible Speak, produced in Northern Ireland. The Free Presbyterian Church stands without apology for the absolute inerrancy of the Bible, emphasizing preaching that centers on the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ and is militant in its stand against the ecumenical apostasy and the efforts of the world to infiltrate the Church. For further information about the Free Presbyterian Church, you may email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. You may call us at 864-244-2408. Or you may write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Again, that's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Also, we encourage you to visit the website of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America at www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening. 
and inviting you to join us again as we let the Bible speak. (music) 